to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh hey, hey, if you are obedient you are calling the bible alaba shake bredo sokolo hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing the light if the light goes on it's not enough it's not enough for the light to go on the bible says the light shines No, my life will not just go on. It's not enough that you cleared. You have to be excellent. Your life, no, 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 it's, it's not enough that you feel before. And he has put all things under his side, under his side, at arm's length. Where has he put them? Somebody shout it under my So, we have been looking at spiritual warfare. Basically, we've been looking at uh, a mastery of warfare, what uh, subject we are calling the mastery of warfare. And last week I was talking to you about how uh, the enemy interacts with us, right? How many remember? Today I'm going to try by all means to stick to the sermon because I need to show you something. I want us to read an interesting portion of scripture that the Lord was talking to me about. Then we'll proceed from there. I'm supposed to talk to you about uh, a sermon, I mean a teaching that I entitled The Way of Altars. But just before we do that, I introduced altars, but I need to finish altars. But then before that, I would like us to look at what we were looking at last week but we are going to branch further into that Matthew chapter 13 and verse 1 and I'm going to be reading from the NKJV it says on the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea and the, and, and and great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore somebody say the shore somebody say the shore the shore okay shore we seriously need trainings for singing otherwise pristine greetings so and the great and, and great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore then he spoke many things to them in parables saying behold the sower went out to sow this is this is interesting and as he sowed some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth but when the sun was up they were scorched and because they had no root they withered away and some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop some 140 some 60 some 30 he who has ears to hear let him hear and the church said 
Verse 10. And the disciples came to him. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. So there are mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And the privilege to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven is given. It is not attained. It is not worked for. It is given. And it is given upon being saved. Upon being a disciple and follower of the Lord Jesus. The moment you reach that place, then you are given the privilege to know the mysteries of heaven. You can have access to the mysteries of heaven. You can be in a place where mysteries of heaven are being talked about. You can be in an environment where mysteries of the kingdom of heaven are being manifested, but to you they will mean nothing because there will be an esoteric language. There will be something that does not make sense and at most a joke. And then when you read the thoughts of Paul about the mysteries of the kingdom of God, in the book of 1 Corinthians, the Bible says, the world calls them foolishness. But then he further goes on to say, it pleased God that the salvation of man should come by the preaching of the foolishness of the cross. So what men say is foolishness, it was that method that God used and picked up to bring men to salvation. So salvation is not found in the highest learning institution. Learning the mysteries of the kingdom of God is not found at Oxford University or the highest learning and most beautiful institution of the land, which is the University of Zambia. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. Yeah. I have the pulpit, so I get to get away with some of these things. But it is found in being born again. The moment you give your life to Christ, then you are given. And we come here so that we can learn the mysteries of the kingdom of God. You have to be chosen. The Bible says you are a chosen generation, 1 Peter 2.9. A royal priesthood. You've been picked up. You've been picked, not up, most accurately. You've been picked out to have access to some of the deepest mysteries of the kingdom of God. Somebody say, I am so blessed. We jump to verse 18 where the Lord Jesus says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. He now begins to interpret the parable. And he says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. So he said, Birds came and snatched the seed. And people trampled on it. Those people were not people. Those birds were not birds. He's saying the enemy, they may come in form of people and metaphorically in form of birds. I'm not saying when you go out, start looking at every bird. It's not the discerning of birds. It's the discernings of spirits. So even owls are just birds. Even cats are just animals. Unless... Otherwise, the Spirit of God shows you something. Because you are afraid of an owl, you are afraid of a cat just because it is black. And yet your best friend is a satanist. You are not afraid of them. Why? Because what you have is a gift of suspicion. 
are not the gift of discernings of spirits. There is a difference. Somebody shout, I hear you. And now more than ever, the church needs to walk in this gift and dimension of the spirit which is able to identify and see what spirit an individual, an animal, an institution, a situation is operating with. Not every manifestation of words, not every expression of anger, not every hatred that you experience at your workplace is just because of your incompetence or issues. Some of them are moves of the dimensions of the spirit to bring you into a place they want you to be. And sometimes you can miss God if you are not able to tell by your heart, by the eyes of your spirit, that this is God. You can chase away people that God sends into your life. At the same time, you can embrace the enemy because he himself can transform himself into an angel of light. So now more than ever, we need to come to a place. Sometimes not every job that is given to you is a blessing from God. Some of them are a response to your desires for money. And so the enemy suggests that you go to a certain place. And the moment you go to that certain place, the enemy knows. The enemy knows that you will find all the wrong people there. The moment you go to that school you desired so greatly beyond the leading of God, then suddenly you meet Mene Shenis and you meet Mene Gumji. And the moment you meet those guys, they expose you to ways and you begin practicing things you never fathomed. So we need to come to a place where we can discern the workings of the enemy, the workings of God, the speakings of mere human beings, the speaking of spirits, the presence of angels. And I speak, I decree and declare that your heart is given and you receive the ability to discern. Shout, I receive somebody. Our father Abraham saw three men coming. And as he was sitting under a terebinth tree, he said to himself, there's something about those men. And he called them over and he asked that they sit down and they eat with him. He didn't know, but there was just something about them. They looked like men, but they were spirits. One of them was God, two were angels. Some people in Samaria, as Jesus went to them, they chased him. And Jesus wept over them. He said they missed their hour of visitation. This is what makes people miss out on what God is doing in a service like this. Because you are hearing the word of God being spoken and you are on your phone. And you see, the Bible says the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And God to the dividing line of the spirit and the soul and the joint and the marrow and is the discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And the 13 of Hebrews 4 says that nothing is hidden before him. The word of God is a him. So as the word of God is coming from the altar and it is coming to you, it's a person. It's got an intelligence and it can tell you don't have respect for it and it will pass you by no matter how much you sing. Do not pass me by. It will pass because the word of God has an intelligence and it demands honor. So we are not just telling you to be well behaved when, you t- when we tell you to to put anything away. We don't want you to miss the blessing. This is why he told the Thessalonians, we thank God that when you received that you did not receive us our message as a message of mere men, but as it is in truth, the message of God, which now because of the way you received it, 
exercises its superhuman strength in you. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. You want the word of God to exercise its superhuman strength in your life? You must pay attention to how you receive it. It matters how you receive it. It matters the positioning of your mind. Someone says, I was in church, but my mind was in the bobidi. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. He begins to interpret the parable of the sower and he says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away that, was, that which was sown in, his, sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. He goes on to say, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. This is one of the most painful people. Because I see people receive the word of God with joy. And because it's coming with such revelation and light, they almost fall as they are listening to it. Because it's just opening them up to things they never knew. They receive it with joy. They shout the loudest hallelujahs. And I'm not saying start looking at the sisters on the right and on the left who are shouting the loudest hallelujahs. Because that's part of receiving. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. I saw a few sisters torn down, but... Please, I invite you back to the place you were. <laughs> Praise God. See? So, he says, he immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself. That means he does not give the word of God enough ground to find a place in his heart. It's one thing for the word of God to enter your ears, but it's another thing for the word of God to have root in your heart. Now, I'm going to tell you something. For the word of God to have root in your heart, it's not something that happens on a Sunday. And I'm going somewhere with this. It's not something. On Sunday, you receive. Rooting does not happen in church. It happens outside church. That is where the problem is. And that is where the solution equally is. He says, Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, I'm going to add temptation. Immediately he stumbles. You know, and this is, as a pastor, I can tell you, there's a category of these people who, because of the fire they have, immediately were tempted to give them positions. Because, you see, there's something very special about fire. When you see it, you think it will continue. Fire has got this thing of making you think it's there to stay. But some fires, the moment a little wind blows, they go out. Some of them when they are exposed to a little temptation. So you can find a person has gone up the ranks. But because they've never dealt with their incapacity to root the word. Rooting the word of God means it becomes the expression of your life. It means you cannot express yourself separate from the word of God. It means it's the definition of your standing. Let me give you an example. If you knew you had connections in certain places and you knew people, you are still not moved because you want to say, my connection is with God. Certain people can bless you. But then you want a stranger to bless you so that God, you can see the work of God. And this is how come when some people do not give you what you are looking for, when the connections do not connect you, you get frustrated because you are not looking to God, you are looking to people. 
even as the as a pastor was preaching, as I was talking about God is going to bless you, you had your Uncle J in mind. And so when your Uncle J becomes Uncle Y, <laughs> you stumble because you're frustrated. Somebody said, I was expecting a phone from my uncle. But then she, he did not give me my uncle. My faith is discouraged. I said, that's the problem, CC. It's because your faith rested in men. But the doctrine of faith, according to Hebrews 6, is that it must be faith toward God. When you get that right, you stand for a long time. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. I had money, and people would send me money just last week. But then, as you know, my money is going towards the movies now. So I didn't want to touch it. But I needed to buy something that I needed to use to appear before a judge. And so I was thinking, why am I going to get the money and then I'm appearing tomorrow? <sighs> I, I, I didn't want to call anyone to give me money or to get money where I'm saving it. I was like, no, it's got projects I need to fulfill. I was practicing discipline. And then suddenly, and I needed, it, it was not much, I needed a 500 kwacha. And then suddenly, a certain pastor friend of mine called me and said, the Lord told me that you needed the 500 and sent me a 500. It builds my faith. It builds my faith. And this is not a person we're like super close with. <laughs> you know? But it builds your faith to know that God is providing for you. Because your faith is not, is not in men. I know there are a lot of people. And if I wanted, although I don't do that, I can call people and say, can you send me like a 500? I just want to push like a project. And when my check clears, then I clear you. I'm just waiting for like a payment. I just need to do like a quick project. So I could do that. But it, it's just... Your faith becomes rooted when you expect from God and you receive it. And I decree and declare that as this week and month of transition start, you are going to begin receiving from God in very supernatural ways. Somebody shout, I receive it. I receive it. So there are people who, because they have no root, immediately they get tired because there's so much to do for this church. We are always having midnight prayers. There's always something to do. Yet some of us have been at this from 1999. You, two years, you are tired. You have no root. You are not built. Anything can move you, even fellow believers. Even God can offend you. Yes, yes. Ask Jonah. Jonah was offended at God's goodness. You see, God has to remain good. Because if God has to promote you based on your relationship with other people, if God had, imagine if God had to consult the owns to bless you. <laughs> even just, sometimes even just us. I'll tell God, uh, let me pray about it. If God told me to promote some people here, I'll tell him, let me pray about it. <laughs> That's why sometimes God doesn't consult people. He just does it. God is so good that his goodness can be offensive. God can bless your ex so much that if you are touched because your ex is getting blessed, God even delays you so that you learn a lesson. <laughs> and, and you people, you know God is not in a hurry. Do you know what ancient of days means? 
You are the one who is going to be turning 30 soon. So you are the one who needs to go before God and say, okay, fine, you win. Help me. <laughs> you are the one who has to catch up with time. And when you do, that's when God sends first blessing phase one. Meanwhile, you should have been at blessing phase 50. But because you are holding on to a grudge, and God just kept blessing your ex without looking at you. Yet they are the ones who told you, no, it's not you, it's me. I think you're a good person. I just feel I need to put my life in order. I think you deserve better. You know the kind of language. When you people are going your separate ways. Somebody say, praise God. Praise God. You have no root. That's what I'm trying to say. Somebody say, I have, I have root. He endures for a little while. A little while can be 10 years. Hmm? Should I, can I find you 30 years from now? Still sitting here and saving God. Saving in your department, inviting people to church, partnering, paying your offerings and tithes. Now, he who receives seed among thorns is he who hears the word of God and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Things that people go through can choke the word. The word is chokeable. There's a place where you're going through something that the word of God does not seem to make sense. Someone tells you the Bible says, ah, but when you heard it, you were happy. But because of what you're going through, suddenly the enemy begins tempting you. Look at that one, look at that one. Then it just can't make sense to you. You're like, ah, God is for people and not other people. So the word of God stops making sense. So it gets choked. The same word I'm using to prosper, for you, it's offending you. The same word your neighbor is using to exercise faith. You, when you hear it, it feels like a story. But when you heard it, you were happy. Things that people go through. How dare you reduce your relationship to God, with God, to passing an exam or failing it? Somebody, somebody failed an exam and they said, ah, after all those prayers and I failed. Me, I don't think God hears me. You've never failed yet. You know ancient of days means? <laughs> He's not in a hurry. You are the one who needs to go to the next grade. Until you give him thanks for failing the exam, <laughs> you will not have supernatural power to pass it. That same exam. He's just like, uh, Michael, can you? <laughs> He's not in a hurry. And he loves you. But there's no love without discipline. Yes. Sometimes the only way I show love to my son is to let him cry. Because if I always would hold him, he'll think every time I, ah! we have to tell him, oh, thank you, and kiss him. It's the only way. The Bible says he disciplines those he loves. So, God, you think love is telling you you are cute and giving you flowers. 
Yet God thinks you giving him thanks when it's painful. That's love. The definition of love in the realm of the spirit may not be at it's a strong feeling of affection for someone. You are joking. Somebody said that. Love is a strong feeling of affection. That's good. You should have that. But if that's what you think love is, you are far from being ready for, for marriage. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. Hallelujah. Who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. Somebody say, that's me. That's me. Say, that's me. that's me. Yeah. That's how it works. And let me tell you something. We may not produce the same harvest. Some produce 30. Some produce 60. But it's okay. We can be in the same church. I release a word. With that same word, somebody gets an internship. Then you, you get a job. It doesn't mean there. It just means that's what the word yielded in them. God knows why he allowed it to be that way. And if you keep trusting him, you begin seeing the word of God working for you the same way. Shout, I hear you. So just be patient. Just be patient. Sometimes you may not finish even the same exam at the same time. Others may not pass, but it's fine. That's why I was saying, how dare you reduce your relationship with God to passing an exam? I said, you've never failed. Some of us failed exams, immediately went for evangelism. (laughs) Was it the exam which died for me? That's what I said in the Greek language. You're not getting a job. You're not getting a job. More time to pray. Now you make your whole entire relationship with God on the job. Job, Lord, job me. Job, job. Job, job. Everything about you is about a job. Your head even looks like a job. (laughs) Yeah, because you take the shape of what you desire the most. That's why people say, when people get married, they start looking alike. Except I don't know why I'm not becoming light. So, all I'm saying is, look, fine, you're not getting a job. You would like to ask God why, but he's not answering. So, just save him in other ways. <laughs> save him in other ways. Hallelujah. Don't end your relationship with God. Now, there's something unusually consistent about these, um, about these seeds. It appears to me as if the sower went to to sow on the same day. Because as he went to sow, he he sowed some on the wayside. Then he sowed some on the thorns. Then he sowed. It's like he had a huge farm. And he began sowing them in different places. And the sower, Jesus Christ said, is the one who goes to preach the word of God. So we can be preaching the word of God like this on a Sunday. And you begin receiving it like this on a Sunday. But then, between the sprouting of the seed and the planting of seed, there is time. 
That difference is what we are looking at. And so, when I sow the seed like this, you go home. At the moment I'm sowing the seed, remember there are no people that are trampling on. The beds are not there. The thorns have not yet kicked in. The rock is just looking innocent. They are waiting for the right time to strike. Just when you want to germinate, that's when they show up. The point I'm trying to make is that the activities of the enemy are not necessarily in church. The activities of the enemy are when you are alone. That is also to tell you that the the strongest and fiercest of your fights are when you are alone. So your strongest places must be when you are alone. That is when the word of God you heard must be practiced. When you come to church service, you come to be serviced. But then the work does not happen at the garage. The manifestation of the service of a car is in the road. That's when we tell that this car was serviced or this car was wrongly serviced or it was rightly serviced but it has a problem itself beyond being serviced. Are you following? So how is your life on the outside? Outside church. How does the word of God work for you? How do you use what you've learned in church when you are outside? That is what determines your defeat or your victory against powers of darkness. And that is what strengthens the devil and his minions, the the demons, against you. Or that is what weakens them. Because they are waiting when you are alone in your room and the memories begin to hit you again. They are waiting when you are at your workplace. And the guy who you... You know, there are people who say, I like guys with beards. And that same one is flirting with you. The pastor is not there. Deaconess Ma is not there. That is when your battle is at its... And those are the advantages of the enemy. I want you to look at something. Ephesians chapter number 6, we'll be able to understand it now. Verse 10, the Bible reads, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor, the whole armor, in the words of a certain deaconess, the whole entire armor, meaning the full thing. The full thing. The Bible doesn't say put on the armor. The Bible doesn't even say, put on every bit of it, the whole thing. Do you remember when you started learning fractions? You'd say, one whole. Then when you cut it, that's when you'd have fractions. But if it's one whole orange or one whole fritter, it means everything is there. Nothing has been taken out. Not even one little bit. So when the Bible is telling you not just to put on the armor, but to put on the whole armor. Why? He says, so that you may be able 
Otherwise, if you don't put on the whole thing, the enemy will look for which part of the armory is lacking, and that will be his attack point. So he says, put on the whole thing. He just didn't say, put, put on prayer. That's a part of it, and you find it way down in verse 18. But then there are other armories that you don't use in church, that you use outside in your bedroom, in your dreams, at your workplace, in the road. When you meet the person who flirts with you and you feel like you've got a weakness for them, <laughs> that is where it matters. When you're presented with a lot of money, and it wouldn't hurt to pour out a like hundred questions they won't notice. It's a lot. That is when it matters the most. There are people who have a lying tongue. They don't even try. They just say, no, I, I've forgotten. They've remembered. The Holy Spirit has reminded them. Even Satan is in shock. <laughs> He wasn't ready. <laughs> he wasn't ready. But he drinks the glory. Are you following me? Yes, when you are all alone and you are seeing the chimosi, it's even sweating. <laughs> and it's hot. Him, it's not in church that you are going to be tempted with the alcohol. Which village? When you are alone and no one is watching and then suddenly like, I think drops, then you, the right thing to do is curse. When no one is watching, the lights are off, you took a nap and all you have is your phone and your bundles. Your smartphone, your new smartphone. You have to put on the whole thing. The whole thing. That's what he said. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able. That you may be able. Otherwise, you will not be able. Because he looks for where it's lacking. He looks for that. Once he finds it. And you see what he wants. What he wants. He doesn't even, sometimes he doesn't even want to. Because his vision is bigger. He doesn't even want he doesn't even want you to just step out of the faith. No. He wants you to be both a Christian and a secular person. So that you can be a strange hybrid. Because that way he knows you can be confusing the fellowship. The newer ones will look at your life secretly and say, if he can do that, I can also do that. Because that one has been in, in the kingdom for a long time. So we can also do this. It, it's just a way of expressing yourself. So we can all cast. So... He wants to keep you as his disciple, as his project, so that you can, a little leaven, leavens the whole bread. So that slowly other people may come to the knowledge of destruction through you. He's not in a hurry to, he's an immortal spirit. He waits for you. Are you following me? So he says that you may be able to stand against the walls of the enemy. Then he says, for we wrestle not. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay. So, remember what I told you. That the enemy is looking for the part of your armory which is missing. 
then he will strike. It says, so he's, he's got wiles. The word wiles comes from a Greek word, methodia, from where we get the word. Come on, this, was, this is just for smart people. Where we get the word? Ah, I knew it. So, <laughs> the word methodia is where we get the word method. It says, put on the whole armor that you may be able to stand against the methods of the enemy. The word method is the word methodia from where we get the word method. The battery surrendered because there's more power than battery power here. <laughs> I'm joking. Don't go tell your, your parents. Ah, Ah, battery so. So I want you to understand this. The word method means, among other things, a particular procedure. That's the definition I'm going to give you. A particular procedure for accomplishing or approaching something, especially a systematic or established one. I'm going to say that again. The word procedure means, I mean the word uh, wiles, which is the word method, means a particular procedure for accomplishing, a particular procedure for accomplishing or approaching something, especially a systematic or established one. Let me give you a few synonyms for the word method. It's a procedure. It's a technique, system, practice, routine, modus operandi. Method of working, formula, means, medium, mechanism, tack, approach, way, line, course of action, route, road, strategy, tactic, plan, recipe, rule. The list is merely illustrative and not exhaustive. Other meaning, the quality of being well organized and systematic in thought or action, that you may be able to understand the procedures of the enemy, put on the whole armor that you may be able to withstand. Meaning, remember how sometimes when you're doing some, uh, when, you're, when you're doing quadratic equations, or when you're doing any of those, sometimes you'd use two methods to arrive at the same answer. There's a formula and there's a formula. And if this formula is hard for you, you would use another one. Sometimes to get a chemical reaction, you would use certain reagents. Sometimes you would even put a catalyst. You would do different procedures to arrive at an answer. So even the enemy has got systems and methods he uses. He's got formulas. He's got procedures. He's got tactics. He's got strategies that he has put in place. And they've been working for a long period of time. You are not the first Christian. He has seen Christians rise and fall before. And so the Holy Spirit can be trusted when he's teaching us that there's a way that we can use to stand against the wiles. And he didn't say the wiles, he didn't say the method, he said the methods. That means there are many that he uses. And the only way is to put on the whole armor of God. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Say trust and obey. For there's no other way. 
to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. I can even end this teaching right here, telling you that I've told you that the only way to avoid, meaning it's not one. Let me give you an example. One day in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, the method that the enemy used to talk to Jesus was he himself, he came. When that method failed, he used Peter next time. So it's not just one. And the only way is to put on the whole armor of God. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. I want you to say, I'm putting on the whole armor. Yeah. So Satan has got systems. He's got institutions. He's got methods. He's got beings and personalities. All these are systems. Now that seems to suggest something that I'm going to bring to you from the book of Matthew chapter number 12 verses 24. And the Bible reads, Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. That means demons also have rulers. And by the way, the word Beelzebub comes from a word which means prince of flies. That means the other demons are like flies. And then there's a ruler of them called Beelzebub. Beelzebub. He's a ruler of the flies. And remember what I told you last time, that flies don't come except they pick a scent. So already this scripture vindicates what I told you last time. And if you do not give them, the, if they give them the right scent by by not using the proper armory, then they'll pick it and that will be their attack. But besides that, let's look at this. Every kingdom, uh, and the Bible says, 25, but Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation or it's destroyed. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Say, I hear you. Then he says, if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Jesus teaches us something. He brings a revelation which we never knew. So they accuse him of casting out demons, demons using a demon, the ruler of them. And Jesus says, but you people, you are saying I'm casting out demons using demons. But Satan doesn't do that. Jesus is telling you, you can't have a problem that is brought by Satan and go to a witch doctor who's going to use Satan to cast out Satan. Jesus is trying to say, it doesn't happen. It's a trick. Your problem increases. You cannot say, this problem is not okay. It's been around in the family. Let's find out who did this. Somebody died or somebody was unlucky or somebody didn't give birth. Then you say, let us go to Baba Brr. Then when you go there, he tells you, it was your uncle. And when he does that, he just introduces a bigger demon. Because Jesus is teaching us a revelation. He says, Satan cannot cast out Satan. You can't go to the source of your problem to seek a solution therefrom. Are you out of your Bible? Sometimes people surprise me. That's what he's trying to say. It's a trick. It's a trick. People get a bigger demon or an extra one. They get a bigger problem. 
Witch doctors are a system of the enemy to increase his affliction on people. Yeah, it seems like it works for a few days. But remember, it's a trick. So it always money. But when you turn, you find the other side is not there. It's printed this side. The other side is a plain paper. And then he says, if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How will then, how then will his kingdom stand? That means Satan has a kingdom. Jesus teaches us something new. Jesus is trying to tell us that Satan does have a kingdom. Are you following me? Yes, Pastor. Now, what is a kingdom or a government? Except we are going to be generally governments. Governments. The word government is a general word, whether it's democratic or it's monarchical or it's an oligarchy or it is a dictatorship, whatever form, it's still a government. But what is a kingdom? It's a politically organized community or major territorial unit having a monarchical form of government headed by a king or a queen. Did you hear that one? Now, it doesn't have to be a king king or a queen. It can be a president. It can be some ruler. But when we talk about generally the concept of governance, we are saying it's a politically organized community. And that's what a kingdom is defined by two. Okay? A politically organized community or a major territorial unit having a monarchical form of government headed by a king or a queen. But a government can be a politically organized community or a major territorial unit having a monarchical, uh, having uh, maybe uh, we can say uh, a democratic form of government. Okay? We can change these things. So if it's democratic, then it has to be headed by a president. Are you seeing that? And then if it is monarchical, then it has to be headed by a king or a queen. So whether it is a, monarch, a monarchy or whether it is uh, a democracy, it is still a form of governance. Are you listening to me? But there are politics involved. And when we talk about politics, either in a democracy or in a monarchy or in a dictatorship, then we are talking about structures. The word politi politically there, when we say politically organized, where means, among other things, governmentally, so we can say, uh, a government is a governmentally organized, or we can say it is an administratively organized, or we can say structurally organized, we can say electorally organized, constitutionally organized, or diplomatically organized. The list, again, is merely illustrative and not exhaustive. Now, for example, the Zambian system of governance provides for three arms of government. Do you remember them from your civics? We have the executive, this is only for those who did civics in grade 9. And then we've got the what? <clears throat> I heard some just to fit in. We're saying, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> but let's just say God is. All right. Now, in very simple and civically palatable terms, the purpose of legislature is to make laws, right? Let's agree. The purpose of the executive is to enforce the laws, right? Yes, and to create policy, right? And the purpose of the judiciary is to interpret the law, basically. To explain judicial precedents, to create them, and to guide the use of policy as created by the executive. Okay? 
Each of these arms of government have institutions and persons manning them to ensure that their purpose is achieved. Now, we are saying Satan has got a kingdom. If Satan has a kingdom, then he's got a politically organized system of governance which can have institutions, has persons, because Jesus said Satan has a kingdom. What he's equally saying is that Satan has got a very organized system of governance. He's not just a pulukutu pulukutu kind of individual. Jesus tells us he's got a kingdom. And one of the best ways to pull down a kingdom is to understand it. And this is why I'm taking you to town. I'm trying to open you up to principles so that you may understand them. Are you following me? So I haven't lost my ways. So in understanding how governments work, I'm going to show you, for example, our constitution in terms of Article 91 of the 1991 Constitution as amended by Act Number 2 of 2016. Forget that. But here's what it says over the president. It says, there shall be a president. So for a democracy, it's a president. But for a kingdom, it can be a king. But it's just government. I'm just taking one to give you an illustration. There shall be a president of the republic who shall be head of state and government and commander-in-chief of defense or armed forces. You see? So that's the president. Our president is the commander-in-chief of armed forces. He's the head of the executive and government. So when we're talking about a king, the king is the one who is the commander-in-chief of armed forces and is head of government. Okay? Then he says the executive to which the president is a part and head thereof, uh, the executive authority of the state vests in the president and subject to this constitution shall be exercised directly by the president or through public officers or other persons appointed by the president. Article 92 states, the president shall perform with dignity, leadership, and integrity, that's for our human president, the acts that are necessary and expedient for or reasonably incidental to the exercise of the executive authority without limiting the other provisions of this constitution, the president shall. Now, these are some of the powers of the president. Number one, appoint ambassadors. So if you find an ambassador, it was the president who appointed him. By the way, the same, uh, the same constitution provides that the president can hire and fire at any time at will the people that he... So he can hire any time the people that he makes. But imagine the powers that ambassadors have. Imagine the powers that high commissioners have. Imagine the functions that they do. Yet there's, there's one who can hire them and fire them at any time. That includes cabinet. That's the president. And the president, I just want you to know that he's quite powerful. But then that there are other people and institutions that he creates that are under him. That helps him to run the executive arm of government and the nation so that he could have organized governance. Someone say, I'm following. So without limiting, appoint ambassadors, high commissioners, plenty potentiaries, diplomatic representatives, councils, receive and accredit foreign ambassadors, high commissioners, plenty potentiaries, diplomatic representatives, councils, and heads of international organizations. Negotiate, these are the powers of the president, negotiate and sign international agreements and treaties and subject to the approval of the National Assembly, ratify or accede to international agreements and treaties. The other responsibilities or powers of the president include establish and merge and dissolve government ministries. So if he says there's going to be a government of fishing, the president can create it and bring all the money there. He has those powers under the constitution which gives you the right to life. It's the same institution, the same constitution that gives him power to create any ministry feels fit. 
without necessarily even being questioned. Yes. Subject, then he says, subject to approval of the National Assembly. Remember, the National Assembly is made of normally mostly people from his party. So just know you've lost. Appoint persons as are required by this constitution or any other law to be appointed by the president. Okay? Appoint persons as are required to perform special duties for the executive. Confer honors. Sign and promulgate proclamations as specified in this constitution or as prescribed. Initiate bills, that means laws, for submission to and consideration by the National Assembly. Those are some of his. Then it says... There shall be an advisory committee on the prerogative of mercy. I wanted you to see this one. And shall consist of persons appointed by the president. So the president will appoint people that should be part of the uh, uh, advisory committee that will decide or will advise him on the prerogative of mercy. Now, the prerogative of mercy is the power of the president to pardon some people who are in cells. So the judiciary may have said that we are, we are, we, we are, we are jailing this guy for having killed 20 people because he was a serial killer. The president has power to pardon that person and take them out of prison. He doesn't even have to give you a reason. And the people that are supposed to advise them, remember, he appointed them. <clears throat> Under our constitution, the president also has power to choose judges. So you are going to sue any executive arm of government, and the government chose the judge who's going to preside over the matter. So much for separation of powers. But that's a story for another day. Hallelujah. So there are all these people. As, 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 as per Article 97 of the Constitution, the president may, on the advice of the advisory committee, conditionally or unconditionally pardon a person convicted of an offense. By the way, the president has got immunity against civil and criminal proceedings. That means you cannot sue the president. No matter what he does, even in his private capacity, whilst he holds the office of a president, he cannot be sued. You just cry. Isn't it just another name for a king? <laughs> Somebody say, I hear, you. I hear you. That's Article 98. A person shall not institute or continue civil proceedings against a president or a person performing executive functions as provided in Article 109 in respect of anything done or omitted to be done by the president or that person in their private capacity during the tenure of office as president. Okay. Then we're going to look at... Um, Article 113, I need to be a constitutional law lecturer. There shall be a cabinet consisting of, now, the person who appoints the cabinet is the president. So we said there shall be a cabinet consisting of the president, the vice president, the ministers, the attorney general, who is an ex-official member. And the function of the cabinet shall be to approve and cause to be implemented government policy, approve government bills for introduction to the National Assembly, approve 
and cause the national budget to be presented to the National Assembly, recommend an, uh, the accession and ratification of international agreements and treaties to the National Assembly, recommend for approval of the National Assembly loans to be contracted so they decide which loans are going to be contracted and which ones are not, guarantees on loans contracted by the state institutions or other institutions, advise the President on matters relating to the performance of executive functions, cabinet shall take collective responsibility for the decisions that they make. Now, the person who's in charge of these very big people, ministers, including Minister of Information, Minister of Broadcasting, Minister of Food and Supply, Minister of Youth and Child Development, all these ministries with ministers with so much power, with permanent secretaries reporting to them, all these are subject to the president. But what I'm trying to show you is that when we talk about political organization, when we talk about government and political organization of any governance, whether it's a monarchy, a kingdom, or it is a democracy, it has got institutions and orders, and all those have got powers and responsibilities and the way that they do their jobs. So um, all I'm trying to tell you is that when we talk about, when Jesus says Satan has a government, we are simply trying to say that he is organized. Then you, when we are telling you to organize yourselves, you are struggling. But you are fighting against an enemy who is highly organized. Highly organized. He's got institutions. He's got people. He's got treasuries and finances. He's got people in the entertainment industry. He's got people in the family industries. He's got people even in the religious industries. He's got people in fashion. He's got people everywhere. We are fighting against a highly organized individual. And if the government does not manage to get you by the executive and all their institutions, they will try the legislature. So if the police fail to make you wear masks, because the police are part of the executive arm of the government, what they will do is they will go to the, to, to the legislature. The legislative arm of the government is the one responsible for promulgating laws. So what they do is that they construct laws that put you out of the church. And if you can argue it out and still find yourself, they will take you to court in the judiciary because that's the entirety of the government. And once the judge passes his verdict that you are wrong, you can pay millions of kwacha or they can permanently close your ministry or your job or whatever that they thought you abrogated. So what I'm trying to tell you is when we discuss governance, we are talking about highly organized systems of manifestation, highly organized systems, procedures, and methods of implementation. So Satan has that. You can imagine that's the kind of individual you are dealing with. This is why the Bible says, put on the whole armor that you may be able to stand the methods the procedures, the institutions, the personalities of the evil one. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. No, we can't drop our guard. We can't just do it a little bit. We cannot. Praise God. The Bible says we are not unaware of his devices. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. He didn't leave us helpless. He didn't leave us helpless. Praise the Lord. And so the Bible says we do not fight against flesh and blood. Now, let's bring it home. We do not fight against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6, then he begins to state some of the institutions and personalities within those institutions. But we fight against principalities. We fight against powers. We fight against rulers of the darkness of this age. We fight against spiritual hosts of wickednesses in the high places. 
So he's beginning to try to introduce to us what we are up against. These are personalities, but beyond being personalities, they are systems of demonic governance. They are systems of, of machinery the enemy uses to manifest his will on plants and animals and everything that God created. And so, let me give you an example. In the mid-1880s, 1800s, at the 19th century, in the South African regions, there was a young businessman named John Rhodes. John Rhodes was a highly divisive man. He struggled with TB around 18, and when he got cured of it, he vowed he was going to make money. And he came to, uh, came to South Africa, and he started a company called the British South African Corporation. Great nice. Can I get a high five? If you are here. And those who did history, we are now back into history. And so what he used to do was he would approach a king. For example, he approached Lobengula, or Lobengula, of Mashona land. And what he did was the first thing that he did was uh, they had this idea called protection. There was a Grobler Treaty that... Um, Lobengula had signed with the Boers. It was a friendship treaty. But there was beef between the whites and the Boers, and they did not want, uh, uh, the, the, the whites did not want the, the Boers to be in the communities that the British are also influencing the people for purposes of their private gain. Now, mainly the Boers were farmers. But these guys did not like them. So what, what, what he did was he appointed a man named uh, Reverend Moffat. They signed the Moffat Treaty. Now, Moffat, strangely, was a reverend. <sighs> so much for some missionaries. And he was the brother-in-law to David Livingstone, just for your own information. He was a very divisive man. And he also didn't know partially that he was being used by John Cecil Rhodes. And what he did was that he convinced Lobengola, that you don't need these Boers under the influence of John Cecil Rhodes. And after a few days, he signed a treaty and a statement in which he said, I have nothing to do with the Boers. And that is how Lobengola's treaty, the called the Grobler Treaty, was done away with. Eleven days later, Reverend Moffat was sent to convince Lobengola to enter into a concession, to enter into an agreement um, uh, that was going to allow John Cecil Rhodes to have all controlling powers of the land that was governed by Lobengula. And in, in turn, promised him that he was going to give him British protection. Why? Because around the time, there was a lot of raiding that happened among African kingdoms. And sometimes they would attack you by shock and awe, in the words of Megamind. However, <laughs> however, the whites had supernatural power called a gun. And they would kill instantly without fighting. And they would bring other things like gunpowder and wine. And the, white, and the blacks people loved that because blacks love drinking. <laughs> it's something that has been around for a long time. In our white communities, this side, they can have a beer just for lunch. But here in Gawatinga, 
They are wasting. You have to drink it. Not drink it. Meaning until you get drunk, there's a difference. And sometimes drinking from the fridge is not enough. It's a place. It's not just a beverage, it's a place. And by, I'm by no means saying you should drink alcohol. I'm just telling you that even with sin, there are different levels. You have a problem. And so uh, they sent a man called Rad. And they signed a concession which, unbeknown to King Lobengula, gave the Britons or the British Empire exclusive rights to his land to the extent that he realized later, King Lovengula, that he couldn't even control his international politics. He couldn't even enter into deals or agree or discuss how he's going to run his kingdom with other people without involving the Britons. And so he realized he was tricked. This is the function of principalities. When we talk about principalities in the Bible, these are spirits, institutions, and powers that are headed by, I believe, a fallen angel called a principality. And one of the major duties of a principality is to acquire land. Now, how these spirits, evil spirits, acquire land is that they will look at the land. They will crave it the way that John Cicero did. And then they will look for people who God has entrusted with authority over that land. Then they'll go and bargain with them. Yes. They just don't enter. They'll look for people. In every land, let me tell you a mystery. In every land, there are people that in whom God puts territorial powers. They are the ones who control the land. Some of them are governmental. The most are spiritual people. Bishops. Some of them are young. And the enemy will look at the influence they have in, their, in the future. And so what these principalities do is that the first thing they do is they begin to negotiate because what they want is to get a kingdom from an individual. What they want is to get a territory from a, people, a, a, a person or from people. So they will go and bargain. When you're supposed to be praying at night, they tell you to just rest. They encourage you. The other thing they do for you to lose is to bring you into fornications. And fornication is not just sleeping with a person you're not married with. There's a lot. Fornication is everything sexually perverse. And so the time that you're supposed to be praying and exercising your authority, they give you a big job, something that takes you away. And at that point, you're not yet strong enough. There's a bright future in you. But they're taking you away from systems of spiritual governance so that you can focus on the corporate world, so that you can focus on the things of this world, because everybody you finish school with is now working and they're respecting them. Yet all you have to show for your life is a finished shoe because you're walking like this, praying in church, and you say you are tired. The Spirit of God tells you, just be patient. <sighs> but the temptation is too strong. Satan is called the prince of this world, the god of this world. Jesus says, now has come the time because the prince of this world has been judged. So one office of Satan, although he's king, he's also a prince. And one thing that Satan does as an evil spirit is he creates, he does not just create strategy. Him, he, negotiate with, he negotiates with people that have been given rulerships, even over families. There are some families that are so blessed 
If, uh, if Satan negotiated with Flavian enough, we wouldn't have gotten Natasha. We wouldn't have gotten, we wouldn't have gotten Pamela. We wouldn't have gotten even Linda. We wouldn't have gotten Deaconess Patience. We wouldn't have gotten Shelley. We wouldn't have gotten hope. So the vision is to see that if this boy gets saved, then Patience, Pamela, and this pastor Daniel will enter their house. So as to begin negotiating with him. Why don't you just study medicine? And if it doesn't work, God is not with you. The, the vision is bigger than just a career. The vision is just bigger than a career. It's to bargain with him. And so one day Satan came as a principality. He found a young, a young, a young man who was given the kingdoms of this world to rule. His name was Adam. He just got married. And since he was used to being alone, he left his wife alone. Went to run some errands. Satan went to him and told him, Look, you don't have to not eat the forbidden fruit. But he kicked him in the gut and told him, Go to hell. So what Satan did in pain, he went and negotiated with the serpent. And since the serpent was gullible because he thought it was wise, got access into the serpent's body and clothed himself with the serpent and found the young lady alone, cleaning and doing everything. Then he begins to negotiate with her. What did the word of God say? No, God understands. Matter of fact, you need to try because how do you know? After successfully negotiating with Eve, he gave her the mindset, the technology called a stronghold, a thinking pattern, which is demonic. It was the only way to attack Adam because he couldn't. So it is to use different methods. And so Adam is coming back from work. He's tired. The wife begins talking, telling him, no, why don't you do? Why did you leave me? If you love me, you say... You Adam is tired. He's just like, okay, tell me, what do you want? Okay, why don't we try this? Do you remember God did not say what, what? But Adam was like, no, but God said, no, if you say you love me, then you don't do this for me. And Adam was vexed. And he said, fine, girl, I'm going to eat this thing to prove that I love you. <laughs> Meanwhile, as Eve was talking to Adam, Satan was interceding in the background, hoping that technology of a thought, faulty thinking pattern that is perverted from the actual written word of God and what God said can be obeyed. And when he did, he ate of it, Satan said, glory. He grabbed, let me, let me show you, let me, let me show you this. What he did was, oh my goodness, the person you give responsibility or you blame for something that happened, you give them responsibility for your life. Yes. If you say the reason I failed was because I was playing with A, B, and C, it means they've got power over your life. It means they can lead you. And so God comes to Adam and he says, Adam, 
Why did you eat of this tree? And then Adam says, it's the woman you gave me. That means at that point, Adam's life responsibility and responsibility over the garden has been transferred to Eve. Then when God asks Eve, why did you do this? Eve says, it's the serpent. And the serpent keeps quiet. So, when the serpent appears before Jesus at the, at, the, at, the, at the temptations, he said, if you worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms because they were delivered unto me. So what principalities do is they've got a system of negotiating with men who've got powers over kingdoms. The way that John Cicero Rhodes did negotiating, negotiating until they suddenly realized they were tricked. But then he had grabbed the whole thing. It was too late. That's what principalities do. Next week, I will tell you about powers. We can stand to our feet. We need to know the kind of enemy that we are dealing with. I don't know about you. But some of you have been called by God to rule over your families. And sometimes this is a reason why the warfare is so strong on you. Because Satan knows if this girl gets too serious, the whole company will be saved. There will be too much money in hope. I can't afford that. They will be preaching everywhere. Yeah. I know people. One day I found a young guy. I was going to Apex to preach. I found a guy. He had been neither here nor there. You, your cousin. I found him. And then God spoke to me and said he is in the wrong place at the right time. I asked God where was he supposed to be. God told me he was supposed to be in the meeting with you. Tonga. He's the one I'm talking about. That was some two years ago. So Satan had negotiated with him. Told him, you don't need this Pastor Daniel's consistency. You need to relax. Yet the boy could have been somebody big in the industry by God. And guess what? You become big, but by Satan. Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. If Satan knows that Beyonce's voice is so strong that it can change an entire generation, while she's young, the best thing to do is to negotiate with her. And tell her, you don't need to be in the choir the rest of your life. You need to explore life. And so just come and present her money and a good record deal that she never had when she was young and she's black, sold. Negotiations. That's what Satan is always doing. Every time Satan is, is letting you... S- just sleep. You are tired. You see, when we talk about principalities, we are talking about an intelligent level. In law, for those, how many of you have done the DLA Piper training? Anybody who's done a DLA Piper training? You've not yet done DLA Piper training? Not even at law anywhere. They teach you negotiations. They are skills. Convincing ways you can buy off an entire planet. And the only way is to put on the whole armor of God. It may be that serious, but you have to put on the whole armor of God. Are you listening to me? Yeah. If only you knew. 
If only you knew the bargain. Just don't go to church today. They won't die. The ministry won't close. But that was the day God planned that I'll plant something in his chest. But the enemy looks at it and is like, hey, it doesn't even have to be an attack. It's a bargain. But the Bible says we are not unaware of his devices. Hallelujah. I want you to raise your hand toward heaven and begin praying in the spirit. Begin to thank God for his word. And for everything that is beginning to do in your life. Raise your hand. Pray. You are downloading.